0: As Pastor Chad said, it's the first Sunday of Lent. So as my friend and colleague, Pastor Emmy Kegler says, welcome to the long sadness. Here we are in this six weeks of Lent. And I know that despite its reputation for kind of somber darkness, this season is a favorite of a lot of people in the church. It is a time set aside for reflection, and turning around, repenting, which the Greek word is metanoia, you're gonna hear about that in our Wednesday evening Lent services. It's a time where people fast and pray and think about the ways in which they are burdened by sin and cannot free themselves. It's a good time, I think, on this first Sunday in Lent to remind you that the root word where we get our word Lent actually means springtime. This is not a season to deprive oneself, but instead a season for planting and growth, just like our own springtime in Minnesota. I know it feels particularly far away on this morning, but it is coming. And Lent lovers, prepare yourselves for this. Just brace yourselves. Lent is a construct. It was created by the church, for the church, and was not a part of the traditions of the earliest Christians. In fact, many scholars believe it kind of came around in the Council of Nicaea because it was believed that early Christians, you know, they were getting kind of tired of waiting for the return of Christ. They had said it was going to happen soon and then it didn't and it didn't and it didn't. And they were getting kind of lazy in their faith. And so the church invented Lent as kind of a call back, a way of metanoia, of turning back to the way of Christ. It was not about suffering or deprivation or making yourself feel bad. It was a time to set aside, to turn back, realign, and renew. On the first Sunday of Lent, we find ourselves in the same gospel story every year. This year, through the eyes of Luke and his gospel, the temptation of Jesus. Why do we always start with this story? Why do we hear it every year on this particular Sunday? I think we learn a lot in the wilderness. We learn how fragile we are. We learn how fragile life is. So it feels kind of Write to me that we are sent from the mountaintop of last week to a midweek moment of a reminder of our own mortality on Ash Wednesday with a cross of dirt on our foreheads to today, the wilderness place. That's what Lent is, really. It's a wilderness place where we pause and reflect and think about who we really are and what that means for us when everything else is stripped away, where the truth of our fragility meets the truth of our belovedness. That's what happens in the wilderness. Now, when I was a new youth director long time ago now, at my very first church job, it was tradition of that congregation to take ninth grade students out to Montana in the summer before their 10th grade year and drop them in the wilderness of the Jewel Basin right outside of Glacier National Park for a week of backcountry camping and backpacking. I loved and hated it. I love the mountains, I love hiking. Uh, I really like a bed, though, I really like a bed. And I uh, really don't like mosquitoes, and mosquitoes really love me. I remember one year, my shoulders were swollen from all the mosquito bites I had on me. Uh, In maybe one of my second or third trips with this church, there was a girl on the trip. I don't remember a lot of names of all of my students. I'm not great with names. But I do remember this one, her name was Caitlin. On our, and the first day of hiking when you get to the Jewel Basin is the hardest because it's up, right? The the way the hike works is you go up and you spend time up there and then you come down, right? So the first day is the hardest. You are also carrying the most stuff, the most food, the heaviest packs, and the hike is just elevation gain. Y'all, Caitlin learned real fast that she was not ready for this. She laid down on the trail and cried. And I don't mean like a little crying, I mean scream-cried where I think people on the mountain overheard her crying. She screamed like she was dying. I don't even know how many times in that first hike she said, I can't do it, I can't do it, why are you doing this to me? I hate you, I can't do this. Our guides, who are just two poor college students that are working at camp, said... Are we going to have to airlift her out of here? I don't know what we're going to do. I don't, I don't know how this is going to happen. We don't know how we can do this for four more days. I don't know if we can do this for four more days. This is what wilderness does, right? It strips away all the things we use to cope and hide behind the ways we pretend. The next morning after we did make it to our site, ate and slept, the next morning we got up, we had breakfast, the guides asked, Who wants to be the line leader? Today we're going to bushwhack a little, which means there's no trail. You just go. And do you know who jumped to do it first? Caitlin. She said, listen, you guys, I survived yesterday. Now if I can do that, I can do anything. (laughs) It was a different person that woke up that morning. And I think... That's what the story of Luke's gospel, from Luke's gospel, the wilderness story, is in any gospel make me think of. If we can make it through the wilderness, we can make it through anything. If we can make it through Lent and Holy Week, we can make it through anything because resurrection is always on the other side. This is why we give up something for Lent sometimes. Not because like giving up chocolate changes the world. It doesn't, truly. It sometimes makes the world worse, in my opinion. But we learn what things we've been using to hide behind. It's in those moments when everything is stripped away, when you have nothing left. This is when your fears come out, when you realize what things you use to block out the pain and fear of being a person in the world, like the one we are currently living in. It is hard. Jesus is sent into the wilderness alone. He has no phone. He has no iPad, no way to listen to an audiobook or go onto TikTok rabbit hole just to avoid the reality he's in in the moment, right? It's so quiet in the wilderness. It's so quiet. Quiet. Did me being quiet there just make you score me for a second? Did it? That was only like five seconds, by the way. When we sit in silence, what thoughts come into your head? We don't often sit in silence without anything to fill the space or distract us. Jesus is in the wilderness alone with only the recent words of love spoken over him. This is my son. He has nothing but time and silence to grapple with what this means for him. And it is in this silence, in this vulnerability, he is tired, he is exhausted, he is hungry. It is only in this vulnerability that is only possible in the wilderness where Jesus begins to hear another voice. You can't. You You aren't. Prove it. Here is where we can relate to Jesus the most. Not because we are Jesus, remember in the story, we're never Jesus, but because we've all been here at our most vulnerable. It's these moments where the voice of the devil gets a little louder. The Greek word here is diabolos, which I love, where we get our word diabolical. We get this word from that. It is used to define anyone or anything that stands opposing God. Luke's gospel does not use the word Satan, which we get our word Satan from. And I think it's intentional. Luke uses diabolos, right? What is the message that stands opposed to God? Well, God's message is simple. You are loved. You are my beloved child of God. And the message of the diabolos is you cannot. You are not. Prove it. To make this point, Diabolos uses the word if. Both Pastor Chad and I have preached sermons where we focus on this word, if you are the son of God, if you are who God says you are, if, 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 all causing doubt within your core. But I think what matters is that Jesus and Diabolos understand the identity of Jesus is a done deal. He is the son of God, it is already true. The diabolos is trying to sow doubt in the identity, but calling it into question does not make it less true. Now the responses of Jesus teach us not how to use scripture or how we attack back in the moment, but instead I believe the point of these responses of Jesus is to teach us how to trust who we are God has said we are. Even when things are not good, even when we are exhausted and running on empty, even when we're scared and don't know what is next, it does not change who God has said we are. Author and columnist Debbie Thomas says Jesus had to trust God in this moment. She said he had to trust he could be beloved and famished, valued and vulnerable, He had to learn that God's care resides within his flesh and blood humanity, within a fragile vessel that can crack and shatter. To be beloved is not to transcend the other grimmer truth, the truth of dust and ashes. So what does the diabolos target? Our hunger, our power, ego, and our vulnerability. These things are temptations for us as well. He says, If you're the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. The implication here is that children of God do not hunger. It's not possible. You can't be both of those things. Like Thomas says above, it's possible for Jesus to trust his beloved even while he's famished. Is this a thing he can do? Diabolos asks him to cheat. Take that which is not food, that rock. And by magic, I don't know, turn it into food. Because you can. We can be hungry and loved. We can sit in the uncomfortability of that want, of our hunger, of our needs, and still be loved. Both can be true. This is God's economy, not the devil's economy. Next, he says, To you I will give all the glory and all the authority, for it's been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want. So just worship me, and I'll give it to you. What is the temptation here? Power, ego, both. Glory, authority, all of it. We like to be in front, to be in charge, to receive glory, to receive recognition. Obviously, if you are a loved child of God, you're going to get a little bit of that sweet, sweet shine from heaven, right? A little residual grace from God. God wants you to be better than everybody else he just said you were. That's what it means to be a child of God, right? Again, Debbie Thomas says, Christians have an uneasy relationship with power, and that's a laughable understatement. Church history is littered with the fallout of Christian ambition, power, fame, and authority gone awry. So the question for us is whether we can embrace Jesus' version of significance, a significance born of humility and surrender. How important is it to us that we are noticed or praised or liked? Can we trust that God sees us even when the powers that be do not Can our lives as God's humble ones, beloved ones, thrive in a quiet place? The uncomfortable truth about authentic Christian power is that it resides in weakness. Jesus is lifted up, yes, but he is lifted on a cross. His power is the power of surrender for the sake of love. And then the last temptation given, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for God will protect you, right? God will save you. This is what scripture says. If you are God's child, you will be kept safe. This is the temptation, isn't it? We all fall into this one, that my right belief, my right actions, my very role as a child of God is what's going to keep me safe. It will protect me from any hard thing or bad thing or difficulty. We know this one isn't true. Anyone who has experienced literally any hard thing knows this isn't true. Life is hard and being a child of God doesn't prevent you from experiencing the reality of that hard life. What it does mean is that you never go through those hard things alone. We have a God who goes with us us. Today's gospel is more than just a temptation story. It's a wilderness story. A reminder that your belovedness does not exempt you from the wilderness. Jesus was the son of God and went there too, where everything was stripped away and he had nothing left but trust that he was who God said he was. And that is why we start Lent here. The wilderness is where you find out if you believe the words that have been spoken over you. Remember you are dust, and to dust you shall return. But do not forget that you are loved, and loved you will stay. I love that we have a baptism this morning. It's I know Chad already said this, but technically, Lutherans, we're not supposed to do baptisms during Lent. And I love that we go rogue on this. I love that we don't listen to that rule. We've decided there's never a better time to baptize than the time somebody wants to get baptized. (laughs) I love that we're going to gather with Oakley around the font and tell him he is loved and he's a child of God. And do you know what we aren't going to say here this morning? We're not going to say, you know, everything's going to be okay. Okay. We're not going to say, your life is going to be without pain or hardship. We do not say that. You know, we do tell him, because you were loved, your life has changed forever. Because you were loved, you don't ever go through the wilderness alone because you are loved. These words are true for all of us, all of us, each and every person sitting in this room, watching online, this truth goes out into the world. You are loved, you are loved, you are loved, even in the wilderness, even when we truly don't know what news is coming out next, even when the voice of diabolos says, you are not, you can't possibly. You have to prove it. We gather around this font because God says, that's not true. You are already and right now who God has said you are. Nothing more, nothing less. You are loved. Amen. Man, the world's tyrant threatening to devour us feels a little real today doesn't it uh so when we are sent into this world that is hard and scary and dark and feels so uncertain that is the moment where diabolus comes in and tells you that you are something else you are not loved you are not okay you are not enough you are not good and god is here to say you are loved You are loved, you are loved. Let God's voice be louder than the voice of the world. And if you need your own reminder, you come on up here before you go and you mark your own cross on your forehead this morning and remind yourself that you are a beloved child of God and God goes with you into this dark and scary world. So go in peace to love and serve the Lord.